All right, welcome in. November 30th edition of the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Louis Rabot hanging out with you. Alongside new friend of the show, Fred Cowgill from WLKY, the CBS television uh, affiliate here in uh, Louisville. I, Fred, I got to say, I don't think this was on my bingo card of shows that I would be doing in 2023. Um, and meant with zero offense. And I didn't say bless your heart or anything like that. So, you know, I mean it. Uh, but uh, welcome in. I, I think I think underrated, you know, when you do sports in this town, you think you're going to do a lot of horse racing. How How many days a year do you actually talk horse racing on WLKY? awesome question uh, and i think one that uh, has layers to it so most markets in the country don't cover horse racing at all correct uh, television especially local tv sports other than uh, you know that novel day where there's a special race on a card um, maybe in louisiana and new orleans new orleans covers it a little bit keeneland lexington covers it a little yes bit. we right. cover it more and one of the reasons i've stayed as long as i have uh, we cover it as a sport uh, I'll do something tonight uh, on the big race this weekend. I mean, it's it, it um, for the road of the Derby that is. Yeah. And I'm not sure anybody else does that. Part of it is my affection for it. Uh, and part of it is because the market demands it. I think one of the things I'm known for, I mean, when I go to Churchill Downs, people come up a lot. And a lot of it's because they know I like it so much and I talk about it so much. So to answer your question, I'm not sure I could quantify it with how much. I mean, at the very least, a day a week. Oh, cool. Which is way more than anyone else does. Yep. Um, my bosses tease me all the time on the monitors by my desk. One has FanDuel TV on it, <laughs> one has Golf Channel, and one has whatever else is needed for the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, I could watch horse racing all day long and be totally transfixed. I mean, I've loved sports since I was a boy. All right. Well, uh, we, we always get into, and, and you know what? Before we get into that, how did you get into the sport? Where did you grow up? Uh, famously on this show, I did not attend a horse race till I was in my 20s. Really? And then I did not get serious about this sport till I was well into my 30s. And so uh, I came to it as an adult. I moved here. Everyone said, are you red or blue? You're another guy that's not from here. Yeah. Uh, and I, I went to college. I don't need another college. <laughs> that's, that's not so I went to Michigan state. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're a Tennessee guy. Yeah. And so I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, did not need another I understand. college rooting interest. I said, what's that giant stadium over there? They said, Oh, well, that's where the horse is going. I said, what do we do for pro sports? They said, we don't have those. And I said, well, isn't that the pro sport? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so I started doing that, and I, I'm completely self-taught, and I uh, had to figure all that stuff out. But uh, best for last. how did you <laughs> – something like that. Well, I think I have a different perspective. I, no one's got my last name in horse racing. Um, I, My dad's never been in a barn. I think I'm the same way. Yeah, I'm right. Kind of unique. <laughs> and so – but you you at least went to a horse race before your 20s. Yes, since I was a little boy. Uh, well, I, half my family's from Houston. Um, okay. My mom grew up on a ranch, so every summer we'd go down and ride horses. Was wonderful. Uh, as far as actually getting to the track for the first time, I was probably right at 16 years old. Wow. And my best friend, his dad owned harness horses yep. uh, at Yonkers Raceway. And uh, one night, uh, Joe's like, well, my dad's going, he's got a horse in, you want to go? I'm like, my dad will never let me go. He said, you got to ask. So I remember my, my dad worked for IBM for 40 years. Very, I mean, stringent guy, white shirts and sear tie, the whole deal. I remember walking in like it's an hour ago to his bedroom when he got home from work one night. And I said, Dad, you know, Joe and his dad are going to the track, the Yonkers, uh, watch his horse run. Is it okay if I go Friday night? He's like, at one condition, long pause. I'm like, oh, it's one of those like bad thoughts. He goes, as long as next time you take me. Wow. And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship, which uh, evolved into my dad eventually moving here, owning horses here. Uh, and he had a great time with it. It's it's been very special. But to answer your question, Yonkers was the start. Yeah. And it evolved into 
Well, so many levels that I'm, my senior year of high school, my present for graduation was a tour of the upstate tracks in New York and in Canada. Blue Bonnets in Montreal. I mean, I went to a wow. lot of oh, so much. Day night yeah. at Saratoga, yep. uh, Buffalo Raceway. I mean, I, I've seen them all. And I love harness. I love thoroughbreds. But harness was the start. Flats came later. Do you know the difference between you and a lot of people is you tell a story of going to the track. I don't want to age you, but you know, half century or so ago for the first time. Yes. And the, they're still running. <laughs> <laughs> they're still doing the thing. Yeah. I know most people are, Oh yeah. Hollywood park or, Oh, I went to Hialeah or, you know, this kind of stuff. And, and I, I hear these stories. I don't have that in my history. The only, gosh, if I watched a, a track, Arlington is probably the closest I've come to that. Because I got a buddy in Chicago, we went to the million every summer, you know, that kind of thing. But, like, that's it. I mean, otherwise, I guess, you know, closing the tracks in Michigan. But I didn't grow up on it, so they weren't personal for me. Sure. Yeah. This is a sport that will become personal. Oh, it already is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I Very bittersweet. And, yeah. I mean, it will break, as we talked on before we started the show, it will break your heart. Up. Good friend of the show, uh, Roger, uh, up, at, up at Horseshoe, they had a turf sprinter. They were pointing to the Breeders' Cup who won the Turf Monster this year on Pennsylvania Derby Day, and then they had an accident with the trailer on the way back. The horse didn't make it. There, so many things can go wrong in horse racing. It's stunning that anyone gets to the starting gate, yes. let alone a, race. let alone 110 of them in one night at Turfway freaking park. I mean, so it is, it's stunning to me that these, these horses get anywhere anytime. My so. dad was part of a syndicate called Hickory Bark Thoroughbreds back okay. in the 90s. This is way before anybody was doing syndicates. It was, yeah. I'm not even sure how it got started. It was a bunch of friends. Uh, Greg Foley was the trainer. Okay. And they did really well for themselves. I mean, small stuff, but uh, they were smart. And one year, this would have been 1994, they had a horse called Everlasting Hope, one of my all-time favorite names. And on Thanksgiving Day in 94, our son was just a few months old, our oldest son. Uh, Everlasting Hope broke its maiden first ask at Churchill. Wow. And I don't know if I've ever, and this is right after our first son is born. I'm not sure which was more emotional for me. <laughs> and I mean, and they're both pretty emotional. I'm crying. We're in the winner's circle. I felt like I owned the horse. And it was my dad. So it was actually like six or eight. Years. Sure, sure. So uh, fast forward to uh, his three-year-old year. And back in the, the day, uh, Derby was based on stakes winners. Yes. You get it? And there was a stake, and I'll never remember the name of it. I need to look this up sometime. At Keeneland, about four weeks out, which was the last grade. might have been less than that. The last graded stake. Uh, that would have been applicable to make the Derby field. Got it. An everlasting hope. Could it be the Lexington? I mean, I, I don't. Uh, okay. Lexington. All right. It was a seven furlong sprint. Oh, okay. And everlasting hope could, was good at variety of distances. All he had to do was finish top two, and he finished third. Ah. Uh. And I mean, I was because I was going to get to cover my dad in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it, and and the, the sad part, the reason I bring it up, not just because of the fun of it. No, sure. That will break your heart. Uh, he ended up getting hurt. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, was taken off the track and went to Starlight and rehabbed, got back to the races, and ended up breaking down in Detroit uh, a few months later in a winter race. And my dad, he, he was there and he came back and he was never the same. Yeah, right. I mean, it will, because they had him since it was a baby. Yep. He was such a sweet horse. Yep. Uh, I, I need to bring it up with Greg sometimes. So. It's the thing too that gets lost here, and 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 uh, Fred Cowgill's with us. He's from WLKY here, the CBS affiliate uh, in Louisville. I. I didn't understand that part of the sport until very recently was getting to know the animals themselves and how, how different and strange they are. So we, um, we're really lucky on this show. We cover the Preakness every year. We do road to the Preakness shows of all things. Okay. And so we've gotten tapped in with people in Maryland and I may or may not know the very nice woman who runs security 
at the Stakes Bar at Pimlico. Okay. May, may or may not. Okay. But I had been told about Chase the Chaos, this horse coming in out of the uh, the El Camino Real Derby at Golden Gate, which is a winning in, well, it used to be, uh, going to uh, going to the Preakness, that he was a little strange. I'm going to find the pictures for you because oh, I took please. a selfie with this oh, horse. Please. I wouldn't, I, five years ago, I wouldn't have even ever thought to take a selfie with a horse. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so, but it's this kind of stuff that changes over time. And, and I've gotten to spend more and more time around them. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I'm not trying to be no, callous or whatever. I just, I didn't know that. It's easy to understand that because when you go to the races for the first time, you're there, they're kind of at a distance. You don't. Oh, so hang on, hang on, hang on. There's him trying to eat oh. my lapel. <laughs> Isn't that great? I know. Isn't that great? Yeah, I know. He's loving it. It's fantastic. So yeah, he's a little cold. Yeah, yeah. So um, he'll be a, he'll be a turf horse forever. But yes, um, the, oh no, 100%. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was a dirt guy. <laughs> but, uh, as, as time wore on, especially here, they built the turf course here, and that was the beginning of my education. I really, well, the I didn't understand it. It's a different. Yes, course. it is. The, in some ways, the other part too is is the um. Oh, there you go. What a great photo. Yes. 2015. Wow. So yeah, you talk about horses that same temperament. Going left to meet people and going right to the breeding shed. That horse just all the time is always the same. That's why I thought of the picture. I mean, here's a horse that uh, lays down in in his stall on his back, four hooves up next to Outzaya, his owner, and Bob Baffert, who are doing the same thing. I mean, he's he's like a puppy dog. So Seattle Slew's trainer comes to the backside somewhere in that window of time and wants to see the horse. and, And Bob brings him out, and he's in a wheelchair. And Farrell looks down and looks down and looks down and starts nuzzling him. And there are all sorts of people around. I mean, the, the energy level, I mean, horses are so, you know, they're so sensitive. What they lack in innate intelligence, they more than make up for. I mean, they can. With emotional intelligence. Yes, right. They yep. will read your mind. You sure. on their back. They'll know what you have for breakfast, right. how you're feeling, the whole deal. But he's nuzzling the guy. And, and later, the trainer's like, I've never seen a horse do that. And I'm like, I'm just going to go over and cry. I mean, it. He was such a puppy dog. He loved people. And I mean, the saddest day for me was after the, whatever they called it, it wasn't the triple crown. It was the four, when he, when he finishes at Keeneland, that it was his last race. Right. And that it, it was over. Right. And I, of all the horses I've ever been around, personal horses, all the way up to the best of the best. He steals everything. I mean, he steals your heart. And that's when you know you're hooked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So I have uh, I've started my uh, personal blogging on the old uh, on the old machine for um, for the there we go uh, for the uh, for the Kentucky Derby, getting ready for the trail to the Derby. Mm. I think we've seen two big races. We've got the Remsen this weekend mm. over there at Aqueduct um, that'll soon be run at uh, Belmont at some point. But uh, for now, of course, at Aqueduct, we had fierceness win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and do it in an impressive way. I wrote yeah. uh, here in our in our piece that. Look, 35 bucks to win. So it wasn't as though we expected him to come out of um, it's the champagne, the champagne mm-hmm. at, at Aqueduct. Yes. And just turn that on like that. But look, this is Rapoli. I this know. Is, this I know. is Fletcher. I know. And this is Johnny V. I didn't and, see and, it coming. Uh, I didn't see it coming. Right. I mean, I'm like, oh, what my I'm, God. I was just so I'm impressed. Is for the spring, that's the kind of combination where we usually oh, yeah. we don't see two-year-old Colts make that springboard to, to three-year-old. But if someone's going we to used do to it, see it's it. combination. We oh, used to see it all the time. Yes. I mean, and, and suddenly it was the justifies that only have to run like a cup of coffee and they, they you know, win a triple crown. And I'm an old school guy. Sure. I go back the street senses of the world and all the horses that there was a progression. They were the two-year-old champion. They, 
I miss those days in some ways, but that is not the modern day world for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, there used to be 40,000 babies born every year. Now there's 19,000. And, you know, the the, the business, the, the fragility of the breed, I mean, is so come into play. Everybody wants to point fingers, the problems in the game. Well, the breeders are a part of it also, and they've somehow gotten off the hook so it's far. Impressive. I don't understand how they have gotten a Do you know what pass. it is, I think? I think if you're in the other parts of the game, if you're a trainer or a jockey, you're out there. It's a little like in the NFL, guys wear helmets. You don't really know who they are. Mm. But in the NBA, you know exactly who they mm. are. I think that the breeders are the NFL linemen of horse I racing. guess. But they get a hall pass on all it's when you're not, inbreeding. Well, you just don't over there. I mean, come on. When you're inbreeding, this is going to cause problems sooner or later. And it has. And here we are. I mean, Seabiscuit ran some ridiculous number of times, like 55 times. It was some. And, I mean, now six starts is a big deal. I mean, right? I mean, it's, I'm looking at uh, uh, one of the horses here, and I think it was in the Remsen, who's already started three or four times. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's a lot. Like you know, the, I think it was Dutros. Oh, okay. Yeah, Vino Rouge, who started three times already. He's like, got shimmering allure in who's making her uh, seventh start. See, that's that's but really he's old school, man. Right. And that's rare now. But I mean, for a whole bunch of reasons. And some of them really worry me about the big picture of the game, which we could go on. We could fill a whole podcast just on that. Sure. But back to your original point. I mean, so in the old days, we saw horses develop. We saw, and that it's, kind and of, it's not it's not a forever ago, by the way. Nyquist wins the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, comes in, is an undefeated. Yes. Horse, wins the Derby. Yes. Right. I mean, people yes. are booking. I'm sure you had your hotel ready. Yes. For a while, not that whole thing. Yes. But now, it's not impossible. No, it's, but it's not, it's becoming rarer and rarer. Right. It's, it's like college sports now where kids stay for a year and go. It's everything is instant gratification. And it goes to me, it goes to the breeding because yes, horses come to hand faster as sprinters than they do long distance horses. I can get my horse to the races a lot faster if he's a five, six, seven furlong horse than a mile and a quarter horse or a mile and a half horse. It just is. It's like uh, human beings. I mean, most of the best Boston Marathon runners are older guys. Right. Why? Because those muscles develop at a different rate than sprint muscles do. And again, we could go on and on. So, but but it is what it is. We are at a point in the sport where, frankly, we don't know if the 2024 Kentucky Derby winner has even gone to the races yet. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's why it's hard for me to look at this. What do you like for the Derby? I'm like, I don't know the faintest idea. Yeah. I know what I've seen so far, but is there any merit to that? Sure. I don't know. With fierceness, son of City of Light. Wow. So we're going to do all of this stuff. Right? Yeah. We're going to talk Rapoli. Yes. Good connection. Pletcher. Oh, connection. yeah. I mean, he was so impressive. City of Light wins the Pegasus. He wins the British Cup Mile. Before yes. that, horse obviously can do the distance. Not worried about a horse like fierceness. If you had to, if you had to rank him. Is fierceness at the top for you right now? Yeah, I mean, by default. I mean, but again, yeah, I mean, that race was jaw dropping. I mean, yeah, I mean he plus we do dominated. a lot of trans, and we have recently, especially from the Santa Anita Derby to the Kentucky Derby, mm -hmm. so performing well at Santa Anita Park is, is always a good about, thing. About be good, at always a good thing. I've never quite understood, but it does seem like horses on the West Coast on the road of the Derby do better in the big scheme of things. That's a huge general statement, and there are exceptions to that all over the place. But as a, a body of work, yeah, it just seems like, is it the competition's tougher there? Although I would still make the case that Santa Anita front end seems to hold up. Short fields, six horses, that and that's a whole other topic. We could go on and on. Turfway last night, 12 horses a race. I love it. Now races, they're, yeah. Right. They're, now, they're not the best horses in the world. But what's fueling that? Historical gaming, expanded wagering here. And, and yeah, I mean. But Kentucky does what I talk about on this show, which is we don't treat it just as a spectator sport. We treat it as an industry. Very much so. And we have to treat it like that if it's going to survive. It's the arguably, it, yeah. I mean, it's it, the only way to do it right it's now. It's the face of Kentucky. I mean, I got Seattle Slough in my license plate on my car. I mean, I, and rightfully so. It is, in, in my business, in local TV sports, yeah. there is still a huge disconnect in this topic where there is a prejudice. 
there is against covering horse racing. No and I'm like, why? It is one of maybe the biggest financial engine in the state. I don't have the numbers in front of me. There's four. There's UPS. I get all Urban, that stuff. Right. right. But in terms of what people know, they know the Kentucky Derby. They may know the Colonel. And it falls off fast after that what people know about Kentucky. Right. And so if you don't address that, if you don't embrace, that's a big deal. And that's why I think expanded gaming finally got through legally because they finally got it. The people in the middle that if we don't help this happen, we're going to lose a lot of money in the long run. Yeah. In spite of all the problems the sport has, you know, we talk about the sports survival. It's going to survive here because people get it. I mean, they're driving down the street, Oldham County. You're seeing horses on the side of the road. You drive over to Lexington towards Versailles. It's, I mean, it takes, your, everything. takes your breath away. Yeah, it's literally everything. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, a couple weeks later, Honor Marie wins the Kentucky Jockey Club. I bring this race up because it has not been a terrific predictor of derby success, but you do get good horses out of it. Here's an example. 2021's rendition. First place, a horse named Smile Happy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Comes back. Ran, Big P course, right? He ran, He won the Ali Sheba this year. Mm. Okay. Grade two. Uh, you get Classic Causeway. Mm -hmm. Sure. Runs second in that race. Wins the Sam F. Davis, mm -hmm. wins the Tampa Bay Derby, right. then follows it up, wins a grade one on the dirt on the turf, excuse me, in the Belmont Derby, right? Front Very impressive. Julian Leperu, I'm Very sure you impressive. That race, 22 to 1, yes. something like that. Yes. Why did Barrios third in that race? Wow. You talk about a race. I never thought he'd get this good. Okay? I never thought he'd get this good. Comes out, right? He wins three grade ones, including the Breeders' Cup, mm -hmm. a Florida Derby. Uh, and why did Barrios? Last year, last year, we're going to talk about a race this weekend. If he's half a step faster, mm -hmm. he wins the Cigar Mile. Mm -hmm. And it was a grade one last year. Right. He's got five grade or four grade ones then. I mean, that race. So what I'm getting at is it has been a predictor for future success mm -hmm. before. Sure. Anna Marie got back to. So last year's edition was uh, Instant Coffee, Curly Jack, and Hayes Strike. Good memory. I'm reading it off this screen. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay. Still a pretty good memory. <laughs> but the only one that came out of that was... Um, uh, instant coffee mm -hmm. has one, I think, a listed state. That a Brad then. Cox horse sounds right, mm. but he was part of that. I think he went on the Louisiana Trail mm -hmm. and night and uh, at Kingsbridge uh, was, was the you know the, the horse that came out of that group. So it seems to be either the race is really good at the top or it's not. And so right. we had that this last year, but that was a 145 25 edition. We got back under a buck 44 and a half. Right on the time. I saw that, which is considerably closer to 2021. Sure. Do you take much of Honor Marie winning that race at this time? Yes. Now, because it's at Churchill Downs, yes. which I think matters. The, at, horse for the course. No question. Churchill, it, I mean, dirt that turf horses like. I mean, it's a unique course. It's different. So, okay. So you give Honor Marie some shot here. Yes. Um, obviously, uh, Honor Marie, uh, the connections there are going to be. Um, to do, to do, to do. What's a local trainer from Anchor, your yes. neighbor, uh, right? That's right. Back. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, it was an impressive race, and and I liked him. I mean, there were others I liked more. I mean, but breaks made in first ask at Churchill, of course, a big thing. Comes right back and gets a good second at seven furlongs, and a it looks like it's a small step. Oh, it was an allowance, and then goes into that race as a long shot and does well. I mean, I, I watched like who's that? Now I hadn't seen the PPs. I was working that day, so I just watched the race cold. I'm like that's impressive, and and the racing style was yes, impressive, right? Because in the for the most part, again, this is a huge generalization. Front end doesn't win the Kentucky Derby. Stalking wins, mid pack wins, dead closers. No Ferdinand's out there anymore. Doesn't happen very often. Why? Twenty horses. Well, nineteen others than you, and then you. Of course, sometimes a little bit less, but you're weaving and weaving and weaving, and one little thing goes wrong, you're dead. At least if you're mid pack, you have a fighting chance. Right. At least you're stalking, you have a very good chance. 
if you can go the distance. Well, you know, do can any of them go the distance anymore? That's a big question. Some can. I mean, they can all go the distance. They may be walking home, but I mean, it's, they finally get there. So I mean, the big ask, based on what we're seeing now, this horse definitely uh, applies. Again, we're talking November 30th, and we're you know, five and a half months, five months away from the Kentucky Derby. So, but these are the now the, the things that dreams are made of. And what happens now that they don't do anything wrong in December and January and February to get them back on the trail? I mean, obviously, if, if I'm wit, I'm not going to let the horse race now until spring. Because all you really need is a, maybe 25 points is a body of work to get into the Derby now. I mean, I, I've tried to watch that. I, I rarely watch the top. I usually watch the bottom. Absolutely. What, what will get you into the Derby? How many points do you really need? I wish people cared more about horse racing just because I know, for example, in our business next year, when the CFP expands to 12, it's going to be a wild kind right. all the time. It's going to be a wild conversation Right. that there are 20 horses and essentially like 23 or 24 that get to this qualification point with the Kentucky Derby and just talking about all the different combinations and yes. horse wins or goes second and does this and does this. It's really fascinating. By the way, the only thing I will correct you on is, Horses have had to be over 40 points recently to qualify. Really? What I wanted to ask you was, so I um, didn't realize that. No, no, you're good. Is do you like the point system? Because you talked about your father's horse. Yes. And and using Great a seven furlong race a yeah. month before the derby to qualify. And I am not look, I, I'm I've not been in the game long enough to have a, a solid opinion about this because I wasn't around when it was just great stakes. No, it, it was a not a good situation then. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it, you had horses that did not belong in the race. That could only go seven furlongs or six furlongs, and suddenly they go out to some ridiculous forty-four and four half, and you 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 roast the field. And so, this is a much better system in so many ways, in so many levels. I would make the case it's not just that the stake system wasn't as good. This creates a quantifiable thing to promote. And I've often I've pitched people now that I'm stepping aside and semi-retiring here. I've, I've pitched companies about let me go on the road, let me staff all the races, let me send you stories. Right to develop your business. I mean, because it will drive betting among many things. I mean, those 37 races matter. Now, do they matter in September? I mean, the street sense or whatever, and the Iroquois, you know, I'm probably one of the only local TV guys know what the Iroquois is. Uh, And not just pat myself on the back. I just love it. Them, I'm crazy, stupidly crazy about it. So, but they do matter to a point. Points being the operative thing. But you'll notice, you know, when when you get into April and May, it's sometimes look at Bob Baffert because of the weird situation he's in. He can't accrue points on the road while his horse is under his name. So eventually it can be only one race. The Santa Anita Derby has is worth so much that, frankly, who cares? He he wins the Derby, then hands him off to somebody else for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and who knows if he'll ever be allowed back into on the property at Churchill Downs? A couple of years ago, so this is, uh, gosh, I should probably look at the uh, the date on this uh, to be as accurate as possible. A guy named Louis Rabot wrote uh, a piece for the uh, Los Angeles Times in April of 2021, suggesting that they change the point system. How? To only give points to the top three. Because I, I don't know that ran, running fifth in a race really should qualify in a in one of 37 races right should give you the kind of qualification that we're talking I understand. about the, and so it, it just it was a system i put together they did it under the auspices of the oaks by the way so that uh john white who was doing the derby rankings wouldn't be mad at me for gotcha the <laughs> i think i think there's more to it than just what you're referring to i, I yeah. agree with you by the way but they're trying to involve more people they're trying to well, get I more like the, interest I, I want i want as many different regions around the country being interested in a road to this place absolutely and not because it's this place but rather just even if the derby were in i, I would like to think at least if the derby were in chicago mm-hmm. i'm just using it right 
that I would still care. Hell yeah. And I would still watch the Santa Anita Derby. I'm a I'm nut for this stuff. Yes, very much so. The, you know, but here's the thing the for me. The, the international stuff, I mean, I, I know why they're trying to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's like the NFL want to go to Mexico City. I yep. want to go to London. Yep. I mean, I get all that. Does it do anything for me? No. Now, will a Japanese horse finally win the Derby? Derma so. Sotogake. Yeah. I mean, they're getting better. I mean, Japan, I mean, the, the, in a different year, Derma wins the Breeders' Cup Classic. I, I had money on him. Oh, no. Yes. And I, I don't think I've ever been a Japanese horse in my life, but I'm like, he, he figured. He oh, figured in the race. They will next year at Del Mar. And, and here's the thing. They have so much money. The people who are involved, the Japanese ownerships, are so gifted financially. They're going to do it sooner or later. Now, people are like, yeah, well, Mike Rapoli's still looking around for one. I'm like, of course. yeah, well, and he's got billions of dollars from that drink deal he did with Coke or whoever it was. So he's got the money to be around. And, and thankfully, because there are a lot of breeders that say thank you to him. Sure. So. Yeah, they'll probably do it. But I kind of whole like the United States thing better. They come from the East. They come from the West. Right. It was just, and that's just and a personal thing. Stuff the right. That's kind of, that's not a bad thing. It's no, a, I mean, but uh, unfortunately, this is where we are. And it, you know what I would rather have is actually, I would rather them go to Latin America than to Asia and Europe. Chile, go to places like that. Venezuela. Argentina. Yeah, go yeah. to Venezuela. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those, those people really care. Yeah, they do. I mean, I, I, I have friends now because of horse racing that are that are venezuelan expats that live in new york and miami mm -hmm. places. right and if they tweet at me it, they become instantly the most popular tweets on my timeline because the country of venezuela shows up oh really and i just i just know from watching when we have those folks on the show and other things those are the numbers that drive and so i think i just think you don't have to cultivate fan base like you talked about the nfl you're trying to build fans sure. at a place like Mexico City or London. And you money. don't have to build fans in Venezuela. They're also looking for new revenue streams. I understand. Yeah. Like they need them. But I mean, if, you, if you're around Caribbean countries, mm -hmm. horse racing's on the radio. Really? It's just on. The Jamaicans, oh, that's fantastic. The Jamaicans, it's just on. We I did just, not know that. We were in Puerto Rico. It was just on. Camarero was on in the background. Wow. So like that, to me, if you don't have to build it, you just have to incentivize it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's way better to me. Anyways. Well, it'd be a great experiment. Why not try one year? Right? A hundred percent. I mean, because the Mage, good news Mage's rider and 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 um and uh and trainer this year are Venezuelan. And the country exploded. I, I I if you told me as many people per capita watch the the Kentucky Derby in Venezuela as did in the United States, I would not be surprised. Interesting. Well, I, the good thing about this is they have changed over the years. It yeah. does evolve. Yes. I mean, the people who make these decisions, and I'm not totally sure who makes the final decision about the road and how it works. I think they're looking for that, but they're look they're looking to build. They're looking for more money. I mean, and all those things. Most importantly, they now the the reason I like it so much at the end of the day is a body of work. It has created something that people can get their arms around. If you care about the game, whether it's the winter books and you're throwing down five bucks on some 99 to one or whatever, you now have races which correspond to that for the people who like you and I are just crazy about it. That in September of the previous year, you're already talking Derby when people tease me all the time. It's only 360 days left of the Kentucky Derby. Well, yeah, well, okay. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. But it, it it's, there's nothing else like it on earth. If you've ever been part of it, the passion of it, most importantly, if you get it under your skin about the horses themselves, right. I'd still make the case. The backside at Churchill, the two weeks of Derby, the most magical place. If you force me to choose, you can be on the backside for two weeks or you can be on the front side for whatever. I'm like, I take the backside in a heartbeat. Right. Because the people, the, the, the different cultures, the stories, I mean, it, and the horses. I mean, it all, it's not just about the horse. In fact, it's about oh, it's, its own ecosystem. 
very really much is. So. It's his own world. Yeah. It's like it a really subculture. Is. Totally. Do, okay. So I we got a handicap at some point. Sure. But talking derby and talking derby coverage. So it's something I, I like to, when I do these and when we do radio, I like to pull the curtain back. You know, when you're on TV, you have to look a certain way. You have to act a certain <laughs> way. Um, uh-huh. You have to be beautiful like Fred Cowgill. Right. <laughs> That's why I'm retiring. <laughs> That's why they have them on late at night. Really? Kind of hide them. Hide them. It's kind of dim. Uh, the, exactly. You know, but the... Where do I want to go with this? I try to take people... You've you've been around this considerably longer than I have, especially covering horse racing. A guy named Billy Reed. Sure. From, from this area. Mm-hmm. Did he invent that kind of coverage? Was he the first to really publicize it? Or were there other guys in that ilk that carried it? Because... When you have a guy like Billy, mm-hmm. who is unapologetically passionately Kentucky, mm-hmm. and he takes that to a, a place like Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. for example, right? Sure. That really matters at the time. It really right? mattered. It really mattered. No question. Is is that the kind of, you know, and, and you know, obviously it's a connection to our station, did the, the, the shows with Drew for years, but is he is he the father of that, the grandfather of that? I mean, well, would you look at? Uh, he's on a very short list. Yeah. I mean, Kaywood Ledford, yep. who um, yep. is a legend here, it was the longtime UK basketball, Kentucky basketball, uh, and did football. Did he announcer. smoke as much on the backside as he yeah. did during games? Yeah. <laughs> I saw him very late. Hey, let's be careful. Yeah. I saw him very late in his career. I mean, and I mean, he's a legend. I mean, I, I introduced myself and all that, and um, he loved the horses. And uh, I'm pretty sure he's part of the first broadcast. I want to say it was HAS. It might have been Wave. Okay. One of the two. Uh, and eventually went national with CBS and all that, and Kaywood did those. Wow. So he called the races. Yes, or? yes, wow. yes. I mean, uh, um, he and Billy Reed, and there are a handful of others. Some for the Daily Racing Forum. Yep. Um, but it was a short list. I got here in '86. The Daily Racing Forum is a horse racing thing. For Billy Reed to do that in Sports Illustrated sure. is different, right? Sure. I mean, and yeah. for Kaywood too, because Kaywood as well. he right. was a local TV sportscaster here yeah. as well. He worked at HS. But he was also time. connected to the biggest sport of this day, which is Kentucky. Yeah, very much so. Right. And so he that was, was the voice. He was the voice of it. No too. question. Yeah. When, no question. When, uh, you know, I grew up in in Michigan, and the voice of baseball for me was Ernie Harwell. Mm-hmm, of course. I imagine. Kaywood uh, basketball sounds like Kaywood Ledford to sure. many people in the sure. state. Of course. In the same way that it's and it will never never be the same. I don't. I mean, he was one of. Well retired, I still hear his voice in my head when I watch. I understand. Mel Allen for me. I totally. Oh, perfect. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Answer your question. I got here in '86, and local TV didn't do that much with it. I mean, I was the first one to go out there three weeks for the Derby, two weeks for the Derby. Um, Very few people were even live Derby week. Might have been Oaks Day. Might have been that Thursday. Eventually, it became week long coverage of of the week of, which was us. And then it was the week before, live for two weeks. We had a very aggressive uh, management to, back in the 90s. And I, I like to believe that we helped popularize what is now on the backside, which is all the stations wall to wall. But it's only a week now. It's not the two. It eventually dropped back to one yeah. week. Um, but to, to answer your question, yeah, Billy was definitely on a very short list. He loved the game. And I, my first derby here in 1987, Ali Sheba, I was with the ABC affiliate then, still same station. But we were able, We had the race live. So we had a day long coverage and that I'm like, I grew up imitating Jim McKay. I mean, I, I almost peed in my pants the first time day long. I'm on the rail covering the races. I mean, it was a dream come true. There's no other way. I mean, jaw dropping and to walk into that press room and to see the legends, the Furman Bishers of the world wrote for the Atlanta constitution. Yeah. I could go on and on uh, Dave Anderson with the New York times. I'm looking at, and so Billy Reed, that was a small group of guys 
who all loved horse racing, who popularized it in their particular areas. New York was a huge horse racing oh, town. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. I mean, I go back. This podcast that we do, I, I would I mean, every week we have more than a thousand people download this. Podcast, oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, swale. I could go on on the, the, yeah. the New York connections of horses that did so well in the Kentucky Derby and the huge amount of New York media that came in because of the Dave Andersons of the world and all right. of that. So that they more or less were forced into it. But it was a legendary time. It was a magical time. And it was a print time. Right. More than video. Yep. And every year, little by little, it began to drift. And then, of course, when the Internet came in, and for, first of all, very modestly, in like 97-ish. I mean, I still remember when guys start uh, putting scores on the web. And I'm like, what are you doing that for? I mean, I vividly remember that. I'm like, now look where we are. So, so it's been a transformation over roughly, well, 40 years, give or take. I'd say 86 was some of the last, and the old press box of Churchill Downs, which was very antiquated. It was one elevator. Do you guys have a Facebook group called I Used to Work in the in the press box at Churchill Downs? Because I see that group get together every year. Really? And 40 and you and those guys. Yeah. Air Crawford. We should do that. Who think they're considerably better than everyone else. Oh, no, well, not and, me. And stand around and say, oh, well, you young guys, you don't get the treatment <laughs> we used to get. What is the eighth pole like, Louie? What is it, huh? Oh, you're oh. out of the elements? What's that like? Because we used to watch it from above and now yeah. they hate us. By the way, travel mm. and cover horse racing anywhere else. Do it. I had to pay for water at Santa Anita during the Breeders' Cup this year. No way. Pay for water. I used to have parties here like you can't believe. That was my favorite thing. Cover a horse race somewhere else. Go to Pimlico once. I've never been because it's always during ratings. I'm going. So I step aside at the end of May this year. 2025, I will be at Pimlico. I'm credentialed. (laughs) I want to go so badly, but it's always during ratings. What I'm saying is, actually, they really take care of you. But the elevator never works. Oh, really? And so it's like five stories, and you're constantly very antiquated building. It's just strong. Uh, been to Santa Anita? Like, yes, I have been to Santa Anita. It's not unrenovated because it's beautiful. It's unrenovated because it's strong. Ooh, hmm. that's what Pimlico is. All right, I'm looking forward to it. 2025, I will be there. But I it promise. Is the easiest race to cover. All of there's a stakes bar. That's what I've heard. I mean, yes, right there, and you'll just literally you walk outside. And it's like, oh, that's Musin. Oh. Effort. Oh, uh, Brown. Oh, and it's they're just just standing there versus Churchill, which is like it's a nightmare hiking around. Yes, yes, you're exhausted by eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, I got my steps in. It's seven thirty. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, well, we do have a derby prep this weekend. Yes, uh, his name's Fred Calgill, by the way. Fred, where are you on Twitter? How do people find you? F at F Calgill W L K Y. There you go. W L K Y. That, that is literally W Louisville, Kentucky. That's right. Uh, CBS affiliate here. Uh, check them out. They have a chopper right in front of their building. We're the only ones in town with a chopper. And a horse. And a horse. And on a our big, front door. big neon sign. That's that? true. River Road? Is that River Road? River, uh, uh, next to River Road. Zorn Avenue. Zorn. Uh, okay. Yes. And that, that's actually Melwood. Where the oh, world. Melwood. That's right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But right off the interstate. You see it driving by. There you go. All right. And um, all right. So let's go out. We're going to go out to Aqueduct this weekend. Yes. Um, the Demoiselle is there. That's an Oaks prep. And ah. the Derby prep is the Remsen. So the yes. Demoiselle is race seven. Yes. Uh, we're going to go Mylon and Nathan on the dirt. The, the No one has a more convoluted route for everything than the the philly route in new york they run a mile and an eighth yeah i've never understood and that. the acorn is a mile and a 16th yeah, i don't get that June. at all yeah just... it was a mile for many years mm. so they they make their and then and then the alabama's mile and a quarter right good luck figuring out what the hell they're doing in new york but here right. we are right. um it's kentucky hoax prep so there's points on the line here in the demoiselle yes a uh, nice little field here yes. uh fred did you land on anybody in particular this race seven on saturday yes um good question so 
Brad Cox's horse intrigues me. I know she's only been running Philly Stakes, uh, but she's been doing well, and her, her numbers are very strong. She's run at Aqueduct twice, a second and a third. Uh, Brad's arguably so this is Caldwell loves gold. She's the yes, outside horse. She's the not. Go ahead. Yes. I don't have the numbers in front of me, no, but I good. do. I know. Yeah, okay. we, well, welcome to doing this show early on Thursdays. The morning lines just came out. So uh, what's the out. morning line on her? Uh, she's going to be a good price. Nine to two. Ooh, that's tasty. Uh, she's been running against weaker, but it's very strong speed numbers and running well. And she obviously likes, I'm all about horses for the course. Yep. Uh, and numbers matter. I mean, and speed matters. And I like horses in general who are not pure front runners. Although I will say as a body of work when handicapping the Oaks, this will be my 38th Oaks. Uh, New York races tend not to produce many horses that do well. You'd think the opposite. Here's a race, uh, you know, a mile and a six, mile and an eighth, mile and eighth, which, you know, in is the length of the Kentucky Oaks. Right. In December. In December. <laughs> and so every year we go to the Oaks and very few horses, if any of them, uh, make it from races like this. But when they do, you're thinking, well, heck, this horse already running a mile an hour. The only one that feel like it. But it just doesn't seem to translate. And I never understood why. So what does that say about these horses? We'll have to wait and see. But Brad's horse, the other horse I'm looking at is the obvious choice to me, the top Fletcher's horse, Life Talk, uh, comes out of a fourth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies and then in the Frazetta, another grade one uh, in the slop, admittedly, uh, at Belmont and Aqueduct, finished a good third. Speed number solid and all of that. Um, one start at Aqueduct, finished third. So I'm all about class. And so seeing a horse in a grade, two grade ones now and having been very competitive, yep. uh, it's hard to not like her. But I'm not really convicted about her. If you forced me to bet the race, I'd probably bet Brad's horse, okay. especially I'm a, I like prices. I don't like betting favorites. Got it. Who's yes. the favorite in the race? Live talk, eight to five. Yeah, that figure um, is I much. think that's a reasonable thing to do as well. The second favorite is Shimmering Allure here, the seven. Um, and I have her... I have her third in this race. I'm interested in Dolomite here, 10 to 1 for Chad Brown. Yes, uh, I saw that. horse here with Manny Franco. Um, I, I, I'm fascinated to see her. I love horses coming out of a maiden win where they seem to have put it together. Mm -hmm. Obviously, she's stretching out, but sprints around for Chad Brown is what he does best in a set of numbers with a trainer who does everything well. Yes. To do something at 32% in Sprinter horse racing is I saw unbelievable. That. That's why. The route number really matters to me. Manny Franco, underrated, 90, uh, 95 runs. At uh, Aqueduct, 22, 15, and 15 so far this meet, 23%. He and Chad Brown hitting at 28% in a massive uh, spot there. So a 10 to 1 for me with Dolomite, man. That's, I'm going to take, take a swing. You never know with two turns, do you? I mean, that's no matter how much people say it's a breeding, it's a that, and that. I hesitate in these kinds of races just because you just don't know. I mean, Dolomite comes out of two sprints and, and did well. I mean, obviously, sure. again, but against Philly State Reds. So a, a bit weaker than than other races, and obviously went off, you know, virtually barred from betting in its last start, forty cents on the dollar, and romps by six. So obviously there's something to her, and Chad's hard to argue with. He always does very very well. He's already got thirteen wins and fifty four starts based on this, and his numbers are off the charts. You look down at the bottom, uh, the the daily racing worm, which I still love. I'm old school. One last start, twenty six percent. You know, sprint to route, thirty two percent. I mean, it's just. You know, those are you don't hear those numbers very no, often. No, you don't. Race. And his his, st his stakes numbers are hurt by the fact that he has so many horses in the same races. Mm -hmm. So to me, he keeps that number up by winning those races, but also winning races like this where he places a horse that you might look at and say, I don't know if she really fits here, but yeah. they seem to uh, when Chad Brown does. Yeah, he's actually beating himself. Yeah, right. exactly. exactly right. Now, Vino Rouge also looked at a yeah, little bit. I agree with that one. And, uh, you know, I, I struggle with what to do with Dutro. I do. Uh, he's a man who was out of the game for a significant period of time uh, after, you know, not playing by the rules. And now he's back and seems very contrite. And, of course, he has White Barrio. I mean, he's, he's done really well. But how am I supposed to look at him now as a wager and 
and where to go from there. I, I mean, I'm being honest. I don't know. I don't want to be mean. I, I want to, you know, we're a country of second chances. And, you know, he's he's done his, his penance and he's back and he's doing well. And this horse is good. I mean, it, you know, it, it's hard to not, again, consider a shot. He's off a one-turn mile. Now he's got to do two turns also. Right. And, uh, you know, the horse that uh, beat him in, in Vino Rouge's her last start came back to win. So, and I like that. That's yeah. something I look at all the time, a key race, right? I mean, that's. Well, if you're going to talk about class, that that heavily plays into that for sure. Very Who much did you so. run against recently and how did you run? Right. Against? And of Shimmering Allure is also in this race. So you got to think about that also. But, you know, wins uh, first to start at Aqueduct, wins after coming out of the Alcibiades at Keeneland with, with a decent fourth and a grade one. So it's a, what I like about this race is this is a better's race. There's, better. there's a lot of tasty stuff here. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself, you know, what are you willing to risk? I'm all about risk reward. Me, me betting an eight to five shot. I really doubt I would do that. If he, if she really goes off at eight to five life talk, I'm not going to bet her. I might put her in exotics or something like that, but I'm looking for a price and I'm still old school. I still like to bet win. I, I'm Oh, sure. I mean, I'm still, you know, uh, you know, they talk about this on FanDuel all the time. Are you a vertical guy or a horizontal guy? I'm like, I'm a win place guy. I still, because I'm not totally necessarily in it just to win the money. I want to be right. <laughs> and when you're doing pick fives, I'm wrong a lot. You're looking at a puzzle and you want to be right. And yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. And so if I, if I like, let's say Dolomite. And so I put 20 and 20 on Dolomite right. and, and she wins. I'm feeling pretty good. No, no. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. Go All right. Next race is uh, the go for one. It's grade three uh, race eight there at Aqueduct on Saturday, 200 K uh, in the kitty. We're going a mile in the dirt. This is Phillies and mares uh, three and up here. I'm a little boring here uh, in that I think there's actually um, uh, three horses you can play and, and kind of move on if you wanted to play something longer. I like the horse on the outside here. Good. Sam has never run in stakes company before. Uh, <laughs> I think a potential single, except that Jerry Manor is really, really good uh, at the distance and yes. very good um, at the track as well for Chad Brown. And Jose horse for the course, three for winning three. Four, um, winning 42% of their last oh, yeah. 33 no, months. No, no, it's impossible but to argue with you. Three for three for good Sam at the course. Uh, only losses were at Saratoga by less than two lengths. Mm -hmm. Horse does nothing but pepper the board. I love that kind of stuff, especially, frankly, with young fillies. Uh, if they are willing to get out front and win the races, I think it's a really attractive trade of theirs. It is. I would actually look at Tizzy in the Sky as well, just really fast. Uh, ran a mile in an eighth last time um, in a, in a listed stakes there at Aqueduct at a mile in an eighth, but has is three for five lifetime also sure. at the track. Just got nipped. Uh, Last start. Yeah. And so uh, I think one of those to watch as well, you get Luis Saez uh, aboard instead of Kendrick Carmouche, which I consider an upgrade. Where'd you land in this one? Is it seven? Uh, good, good, good Sam is definitely my pick, but I, I kind of like Dr. B a little bit. Yeah, the two. Yeah, I, I can't totally tell you why. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of success and greatest stakes, although no wins. You got to go back to this race last year. He, uh, she won the go for one last year, wire to wire. So and that and it's sloppy. Well, it could be sloppy that day. I don't know. It's going to rain tomorrow, so see? we'll see. We'll see how the track looks on Saturday. So that would move her up even more for me. Okay. She's two for two, top two at Aqueduct. So when I saw that the downside, she hasn't won since this race last year. All the she's zero for five this year. Uh, came in a pretty good second. I mean, not bad. We lost by seven. Came in a second in the, a grade two back in Saratoga in July. So she's obviously good. Now, are there better here? Again, what's the price going to be? I mean, I'm interested in this front end holding up. If front end's holding up, then you got to go good Sam, I think. Uh, but if there's, and there's not, it's not that big a field, so speed may not be that much of a factor. Right. So that's why Dr. B, I sort of hesitate about. If you force me to make a bet, yeah, I mean, good Sam is the obvious choice. Know it all, Audrey is going to be somewhere in the 12 to 15 to one range, four for nine lifetime, three seconds. 
over sloppy wet go. If it does rain a lot tomorrow in New York, that might be one to watch oh, yeah. if you're looking for a longer price. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Saturday, the Derby prep of the day is the Grade Two Remsen. It's race nine. It's the late uh, start of the late double mile and an eighth on the dirt there, starting at the finish line and finishing at the finish line in your face, Keeneland. Um, that'll be uh, uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the kitty there. Uh, I, look. Uh, this is a who's who of trainers and, and jockeys and everything mm, else for New York. Very much so. Uh, Fred, who'd you land on here? I started throwing darts. So <laughs> what I, I ask myself is... If you what, had to guess, who do you think the favorite well, is? Oh, uh, um, hmm, that's a really good question. Well, the three that I, I sort of put question marks next to, Doorknock, Moonlight, and Sierra Leone. Okay, those are the three favorites. No way, really? Yes. Interesting. Um, so probably because of what I saw in those. I mean, in each case... Each horse has some interest. Uh, Sierra Leone is interesting to me. Not, not only Chad Brown. Could not agree more. But uh, first ask wins. I love that about horses. Yep. At this track, Could comes right more. back. That happened in November. We're right back four weeks later. That gets my attention. Uh, is he the favorite? Uh, the third favorite. Oh, okay. Well, then. Uh, oh, second favorite. Excuse me. Four okay. to one. Yep. Uh, not bad. Okay. Oh, well, uh, four to one's very playable. I yes. Now, Moonlight has, again, I'm a class guy. Was in the street since at Churchill, grade three. Finished a good second in the slop, which it may be and was bet heavily. In fact, all three of his starts, Pletcher's horse has been a favorite. I mean, three, and that, that means if there's that much interest, yes. somebody knows something out there. Yeah. And then Doorknock comes off a maiden win, uh, was a really good second in a small stake, and just missed in uh, first ask in the slop at Saratoga uh, in, in a maiden race. So all three of those horses have their merits and are hard for me to rule out. Uh, and But if you force me to pick one, I'm, I kind of like Sierra Leone. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I just, I like the connections. Uh, I like the breeding, a gun runner who, who doesn't love gun runners. And most importantly, if you throw everything else out, the horse sold for $2.3 million. Somebody knows something, right? So they have a lot of money. Invest if they have that kind of money invested in them, my two cents, you know, I'm just along for the ride. So I would probably, based on all those things, they must have a lot in this horse and must think a lot of him. I mean, gun runners have done exceptional at Candy Ride. I mean, you go on and on. So, and I'll, I'm breeding does play a massive part, not just in the Derby, but other, other races. And, you know, for them to jump on them like this, that kind of money, you don't see that kind of money thrown around that much anymore. Right. I go back to what was the horse that was $16 million at Keeneland years ago? Green. Oh, what was the last name? I don't know. Literally, the all time record $16 million on a horse that almost never ran. I'm not even sure he ever won. So, but in the modern day, two million is still a lot of money. So yes, yes. that's a horse you have to take seriously. There you go. I agree. Uh, if you can name the capital of Sierra Leone right now, I'll buy you a Coke. I don't have a clue. Okay. It's Freetown. We were looking for Freetown. Really? Versus cheap town or expensive town or. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Freetown? Sierra Leone. Gratis town. Where is Sierra Leone? <laughs> is it an island or is it this country? Oh, Sierra Leone's uh, uh, on the West Coast of Africa next to Guinea. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did Between not know that. Guinea and Liberia. I'm all about learning something new every day. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's in my head, but I don't know my wife's favorite color. So there you go. Uh, the, um, well, let's not go there, please. <laughs> That's a whole different topic. I agree with you generally, by the way, about this race. I'm fascinated by Sierra Leone. I think it, it's a giveaway that Chad Brown has Jose Ortiz riding mm -hmm. and has moved Manny Franco. They're kept mm -hmm. him on domestic product. Mm -hmm. I think that's a giveaway from, um, from him. Domestic product is fascinating here though, has done the route already yes. at Aqueduct yes. going a mile and an eighth in the yes. maiden wins easily. Not at the kind of splits that I think we're going to get on Saturday, sure. but uh, a buck 50 when you're breaking your maiden over that deeper go on Long Island is an interesting. How um, many times do you see that, that a horse, a two-year-old would start twice at a mile and an eighth. I mean, that's almost unheard of. And that they thought, 
of that horse in that way immediately. Yes. Right. So to me, that says, okay, we got a classic horse here. Yep. Uh, kind of stands out. I'm also fascinated on the, on the outside. Private desires in this race, son of constitution. Paid 350 grand for this horse. Broke his maiden two back on six and a half. They stretch him out for that Nashua going a mile. Again, sometimes horses just need to do the distance and sometimes they just need to get around a turn. The, the, the turns, I think, are a big yes. issue. Todd Pletcher does this as well as anyone stretching mm -hmm. these horses out. So I'll mm -hmm. watch him as well. That's a 10 to 1 morning line kind of horse. Well, the, the, the key thing is that the little phrase over on the far right, erratic, yeah. 7 8. So. Maybe he was just trying to get used to it. Like, you want me to do what? How long are we running here? Right. right well, yeah. but also they're like, wait a minute. I mean, turns? Yeah, what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, it's a different animal. Yeah. Literally, but up on. Yeah. All right. Let's do a quick pick here. We'll go to Cigar Mile. Closes the day here. Downgraded from a grade one uh, to a grade two this year. Uh, it has that in common with the Clark. Um, half a million bucks on the line here. Uh, going a mile. Obviously, the one turn mile at uh, at Aqueduct, the they don't make them small in, uh, in uh, Long Island. No. They don't. Uh, and so uh, you get coastal. I'm happy it's still open. I mean, I, we thought they were going to close Aqueduct for a long time. So it's. I mean, give, give it two years. Uh, and so yeah, uh, exactly. why do you think they put a uh, Tapita course in at Belmont? Yeah. Uh, I understand. Arnaldo Boca Chica is coming in to ride Coastal Mission, who is 11 for 16 lifetime with three seconds in a that. third. I saw that's a uh, lot of horse. Lot what of do you starts. think that horse is on the uh, the morning line, if you had to guess? Ah, well, that's a really good question. I mean, coming off four straight, five straight wins, I mean, that's, you know, the horse likes to win 11 wins and 16 starts, probably, you know, a six to five, seven to five situation. There you go. Yeah, 12 to one. So there you go. Uh, if you what? Like, if you like the class coming out of uh, West Virginia, uh, there's your chance. Uh, our 11 number. wins and 16 horses just know how to win. Some don't, some do. Right. And you're talking about a horse that won wow. on, on Charlestown classic day at, at seven furlongs comes back, wins the West Virginia breeders class because this is West Virginia bread. And look at the speed uh, numbers at a mile and an eighth. Yes. Uh, so we're talking about a horse that's fast. Yes. Um, so 95 buyer, 98 buyer, 93 buyer, all wins. I mean, he's only getting faster. He goes, I mean, he's improved almost every start. Way back down to a 70 back in 2022. He's done nothing but get better and win. I'm going to uh, assume you were at the ACAC in uh, 2022 when Senor Buscador won. Yes. Okay. You think he's got a shot here? Because I do. I think the one-turn mile for him is. I looked at him a long pick. time, especially on the class angle. All you see are grade ones and grade twos. Yep. I mean, how do you not? Yep. I mean, Breeders' Cup dirt oh, mile. Oh, he won that San Diego handicap, and it was a. It wasn't, oh, he won? It was, oh, he's the best horse today. Yes. Yeah. Here's a situation, and I, I'm a well-established class player. I was looking at a horse that has yet to prove himself. Uh -huh. I, I'm not sure to pronounce the horse's name. Cassius? C-A-S-C-A-I-S. Okay. Right? Uh, Chad Brown horse. Yep. And a three-year-old running against older horses. I get that. And, and only three lifetime starts. I don't, I can't totally tell you. Now, obviously, a horse for the course, three for three, top three at Aqueduct. All three of his lifetime starts, he's done well there. And, and top two at the distance, two, two starts, you know, first and a second. Um, comes off a, a good race with an 89 speed rating, first Lasix. I'm thinking, hmm, Lasix does matter. I mean, we see it, it does improve horses' performance. No and so this horse goes from a 63 buyer to a 77 buyer to an 89 buyer. I mean, dramatic, will he make a jump again? We don't know. Sloppy. Will it be sloppy on Saturday? I don't know. But what I do know the horse likes the course, and obviously Chad Brown is Chad Brown. His numbers again: twenty-eight percent two-year-olds over a long layoff. Twenty-eight percent. He's off the charts. He's just one of the most successful trainers in the United States, especially when he's in the Northeast. Are there horses with better numbers? Yeah, I mean, uh, Averso Mischievous 
98 comes off in a grade two comes off and he's another horse i'm i'm interested yep. done very well at aqueduct done very well at the distance won the 49er grade yes two, yep. yes comes off a big one with a 98 speed rating and yep. every one of his career starts have been in the 90s and improving 90 91 91 93 95 98 um so i'm a big believer in cycles that this horse is due to bounce to, to finally regress but he hasn't so far right. i mean six lifetime starts he's Six for six, top two, improving his number every single time. So I like the rags, which is a system yep. of, again, yep. a number system to try to accurately chronicle a horse's cycle. So if you run, if you play golf and you shoot 72 today, then that's your record round by 10 shots. Can you shoot it again tomorrow? It's unlikely. So where is this horse regress? Right. That's what I don't know about right. this. So, But another horse that really had a lot of interest with me. Uh, that's why I think I'm playing Senor Buscador because he's been so damn consistent. Oh my gosh. He's just fast. He's good. I know. Uh, I think the actual the move back to a mile will really fit him well to give him some time off this. Uh, he's a fully intact son uh, of Mineshaft. It'll be interesting because I think he's probably Mineshaft's most, you know, obviously he won a grade two, right? I mean, so he's yeah, you know, he's running well in grade one. Well, look at his uh, recent works. First of 27, first of 18. Well, and 19. the other thing is they moved him out, the Fincher Barn. They moved him to Belmont last month really right or, yeah yeah right after the breeders cup so he's been at um he's been at belmont on long island at least on the east coast mm -hmm. since the breeders cup essentially so i think he's going to be um in good shape there well and those uh, are the best of the best i want to be really clear about Santa Buscador. one thing about it he's a workout machine mm -hmm. and his numbers are always really good so mm -hmm. i they're a little misleading that way um but he's faced the best of the best i mean no the gold question. cup you, you look at these i mean outstanding and you know there's no shame in coming in seventh the british cup class no, i mean i right. mean he is dropping back against competition there's no doubt about that yeah so that'll be he'll be fun to watch i do think um do, 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 do. accretive is one to watch no question chad brown i read mm. uh mm. chad chad and i read as we say on the show a lot uh two wins and a second and a third none of them by more um at the worst it's a good than, race than two lengths uh no this this card's fun yeah no, it really I, is got a nice card on saturday so this is a fun one um and we will uh yeah, have to get into this. Uh, fun Lake uh, pick four. Usually they ruin it with a terrible last race. So I appreciate the folks at uh, for not being. Um, that is a theme on the show, by the way, is that I that I I, I whine about the last race of a sequence. Um, is what it is. It's hey, very Laurel, common. Hey Laurel, I don't need five stakes and then a, a twelve claimer. Like mm -hmm. I don't need it or it's less. Okay. Right or less. <laughs> well, you could buy it down to eight nine with some weight. All right. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Well, yeah. uh, again, Fred Calgill, appreciate him. F Calgill, WLKY Twitter. F Cowgill at WLKY. Okay, go find him there. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a feeling uh, we'll probably have you on this thing again at some point. I'd like that sometime. All right, very good. My privilege. Okay. Thank you for letting me on. All right. And uh, did we establish we're going to be the Derby Points Committee next year? Is that what I heard? You uh, I nominate you. Okay. <laughs> I got nothing going on. Oh, there you go. Uh, it'd be fun. I'd thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, it's um, it might be kind of thankless. I don't know. It's a tough job. I mean, I understand. I've been in, you know, I used to be on the AP poll, AP football poll. Okay. Oh, my gosh. The responsibility in that. I mean, I remember being on vacation in Destin, my wife yelling at me. It was in like September. I forget what year it was, like 10 years ago. And I'm going through videos and, you know, all paperwork. She's like, will you get on the beach? I'm like, I can't. I'm, they, they want the number. They want my vote. I'm like, oh, gosh. So a lot of pressure. Yeah. Mm. Try doing some Oaks rankings. Yes. A little more obscure. Oh, my gosh. Right. But it's so fun. I mean, I, other than my family, this is maybe the closest thing to my heart really is because it is such as, as we touched on at the start of the show, such a special sport. It is.
All right. Well, he's Fred Cowgill, WLKY. Appreciate him. We'll talk to him soon. It's been the horse racing happy.